the ambition for that, the desire to teach God's word yeah. is not wrong. Yeah. So I want to make sure that that's clear, that the hunger to do that, to help God's people understand through teaching his word is good and right. And we need men and women doing that. Welcome to The Green Room, a space where leaders from the Austin Stone invite college students to have vulnerable conversations about relevant topics. What's up, guys? My name's MJ, and in today's episode, Tyler and I sat down with our good friend and downtown director of equipping and women's ministry, Kay Terry. I think of all the different topics we've covered so far, I think gender and the way the Bible teaches us about gender, I think there's so much good news for us in this, and I think Kate does such a good job, as she always does, unpacking that there's actual good news for us on this topic, and it doesn't need to be dour, it doesn't need to be hopeless, it doesn't need to be frustrated, but that actually when we look at the scriptures, there's good news for both men and women about how God views us. And so I love that Kate lives this out. I love that Kate believes this. I love that Kate is such a great teacher and leader, and I've loved getting to ministry with her for a long time, and it was a really sweet just time to reconnect with her, and especially when I'm about to have a baby here pretty soon. So <laughs> my, my whole life is thinking about I'm adding a little girl tomorrow, so it's yeah. all basically thinking about women being added to my life and how much I love it. So. Yeah, yeah. Man, this episode was so good with Kate. You're we're going to hear vulnerable stories surrounding gender roles in the church, our experiences wrestling with these topics, and so much more. We hope that this conversation leads to other conversations of your own and even healing from ways that you've experienced gender roles in the past. We hope you enjoy. Kay Terry, welcome to The Green Room. All right. Thanks for having me, Mitchell. Yeah, we're so glad that you were able to come on. Yep. Uh, it's right before Tyler is having a baby, literally right. having a baby Go tomorrow time. morning. Tomorrow, and I'm having the baby. <laughs> Lauren, <laughs> Lauren's going to be there to support me as I work through this process. Uh, oh, my God. No, I'm, I'm having a, another little girl. I cannot wait to meet her. Yeah, honey. Uh, couldn't be more just perfect for our, t- our conversation today mm-hmm. because— I'm about to have a third daughter, and so I care a lot about what does it mean to raise up and help yeah. women be who God called them to be. So yeah. I care a lot about that in the church. I care a lot about it in my family. So, And I have a son, Henry. I want the same for him. So yeah. that's what's fun about having children and getting to be a pastor is you get to think about, you get to dream for other people. Mm-hmm. And that's what I hope today is for us. And Kate, yeah. you're, I'm so glad you're here with us to talk about this. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So for those listeners that don't know who Kate Terry is, first off, she's famous with College <laughs> at the Austin Stone. As far as like killing it at the equipping game and like teaching classes, everyone's like, hey, can we like bring Kate back in? I so, ask the same thing all the time. Like, <laughs> I'm like, can we get Kate here? Why y'all? Why am I here? Um, Kate, you're so awesome. For those who don't know you, will you please uh, tell them a little bit about yourself and how you became our director of equipping for the downtown congregation for the Austin Stone? Yeah, for sure. Hey, guys. Glad to be here. Yeah. I actually coming up here in about a month. It will be 10 years since I've been in Austin, Texas. Damn. Yeah, Whoa. I know, right? I graduated from the wonderful Texas A&M University. Whoop. A-whoop. So, yeah, graduated, moved to Austin. Somebody had to come care for the Longhorns, Amen. you know, just alienated mm, alienated half the audience, I'm sure. <laughs> but, man, I've, I've loved my time in Austin. It's been almost nine years on staff, including starting off as a resident. Shout out to our residency program mm. if you're interested in that. <laughs> 
Can we check yeah, it out? Come on, yeah. Our sponsor, our sponsor today, Austin Stone Institute. Rex Hamilton, Austin yeah. Stone Institute. Um, but for real, uh, residency helped really shape me in those first few years out of college and figuring out what does it mean for my faith to be my own. What does it mean to move to a brand new city and uh, reestablish community? And what does it mean to be a part of the local church, not just as a college student, but as a graduate? And so, yeah, I came on the staff, served in a couple of different roles, had a stint with college ministry, actually loved doing that. Uh, but then uh, soon after moved into the role and then now doing equipping and women's ministry. And really what that means, it's just an opportunity to get to think really intentionally about how are we teaching, helping equip and spiritually form men and women to grow in maturity in their mm-hmm. walk with Jesus and how they view God, not just what they think about him, but how do they live that out um, in our city and in their families yeah. and in their workplace? Um, we want to help them do that. All right. So you've been on staff almost 10 years. Yeah. That is a long time. Tyler, how long have you been on staff? I think I'm on 12. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm, I finished my 11th year. I'm on to my 12th year, I think. Okay, so you guys have shared 10 years in ministry working for The Stone. Kate, do you have a favorite moment of being on staff? Man. Right now. Right now. Yeah, this moment, (laughs) talking with the two of you. Um, Man, there are so many, Mitchell. That's a a great question. I I mean, a few years ago, downtown days at Austin High are hard to replace. Like, Sundays— are like your lowest lows and your highest highs. You know, can we just can we just <laughs> yeah. say it? Because yeah, like, true. but in all seriousness, like there's something. Our, our team is in it together, like mm-hmm. in the trenches. Yeah. And so days when I've just been like, man, I'm exhausted. I don't want to go do another three services. And you're thinking about teardown and all that. But then you step into the worship service and you see 300, 400 people, if yeah. not double that, yeah. going mm-hmm. after it. Yeah. And you're talking with people in the foyer and you're like. Spirit of God's here. Mm-hmm. He's doing something. Mm-hmm. And so I know that's not a specific yeah, story, but no. like when I think of just my time on a congregational staff specifically, like with our people on yeah. Sundays, uh, they've been special. Yeah. Yeah. Since I've been here almost two years now, man, Kate, I've just looked up to you as a leader, like as one of the best leaders, one of our best teachers. Mm. We're diving into this topic of gender roles, which is kind of hard, yeah. honestly, for me and in, in just growing up in a church. I, I never learned about this and I never knew that the Bible probably says that men can do some things and women can't do some things. But as even still one of the best teachers that I know, how is it for you working at a church like the Austin Stone where we only have male elders and male pastors? And I know I'm sure we'll get to the definitions of elder and pastor. Some people don't see that they're synonymous. But yeah, as a gifted leader, how's that been for you not being able to, I guess, like preach on Sundays and do things like that, but still serving your heart out and still teaching and doing all those things? Yeah, yeah. I think in its most like purest, like most honest, nobody likes to feel limited. And something we talk a lot about on our team, Tyler continues to remind us as leaders that hey, you have limits, and limits are for your good. But in my flesh, Mm -hmm. like, no, I want all of the power and authority and control. Like, I just do in my, like, worst moments when I'm not God-centered, when I'm not anchored in the gospel. Like, I'm going to hunger for those things and value those things. And in a sense, gender roles and what we would call complementarianism puts limits and definitions on things that we believe like it's very clear in God's word and that I convictionally believe are very clear in God's word. That's going to mean it's going to kind of come to a head and cause me to ask the question, do I trust God with that limitation? Mm -hmm. Like at the end of the day, 
either when I see that in scripture that, okay, the specific role of, of a woman while she's equal in dignity, worth, and value is distinct from the role of a male, so what complementarianism is, do I trust that that's for my good? That that means that I can't do all the things? That that means that What's written under Kate Terry's name isn't mm-hmm. what's written under Tyler's name, mm-hmm. and that that's okay. And I can actually, it's not just okay that I flourish in that, mm-hmm. that it's actually for my good. And so that's what's true. That's what yeah. I remind myself of. But is it hard? Absolutely. Like, do I have days when I rub up against that or question that or I feel some of that? And because things are broken, right? Things yeah. aren't yep. perfect. Yep. And I think that's a big part of this conversation that. Is, has been important in my own journey of wrestling through it and that um, might be true for some people listening, is that uh, we've seen some broken examples of this in our own stories and in our experiences of male and females working together or not working together in ways that actually don't align with what God's Word says mm. for, for biblical headship and for submission and for what does it mean to be a helper. Mm-hmm. But when I look at God's Word and I define those things by God's Word and not by culture, mm-hmm. I actually feel a lot of freedom. Yeah, well, I actually feel like I can flourish. Yeah. When, when was the first time you heard about gender roles or that there was that distinction yeah. in the church? I guess that goes into, you know, a question of how long have you been in a church and been a believer and, mm-hmm. you know, in mm-hmm. that world? Yeah. So I was thinking about this question, like, because I think growing up, I don't think twice about it. I don't even, I'm not naturally thinking about these yeah. grids as a kid. And it's really not like the way we see the world is the way we see it until someone challenges that. And it's start, right. and then you start to be like, oh, there's a different view than what I hold. Mm-hmm. And so my earliest memory of that is probably sixth or seventh grade. I went to a private school growing up. We were in Bible class. Uh, so we had Bible class. And at the end of the class, the teacher asked who wanted to pray. Interesting. So I raised my hand, like group of us, probably a couple of us did. Teacher called on me. And I'm like about to pray. And someone else in the class, another uh, woman actually, spoke up and said, hey, hold on, hold on. Can Kate pray? Because there's other, there's other men in the room. Huh. Is that okay? Yeah. And I remember in that moment being like, what is happening? Like, are we are we for real? It was, but honestly, like reflecting on that and thinking back and and I remember that sticks out like in my story hmm. because I remember in that moment being like, I felt less than in a way, like the fact that anybody would think, oh, just because there's men in the room, like I, I can't do something. And some people, like she, it was clear that she had a conviction of that because of her faith, because of the way she'd been raised and what she believed. Mm. And so... It just started me to cause me to ask that question of like, oh, like people have different perspectives on this. And what does that mean for me to be a woman? What does that mean for me to have a wiring that like on it is not as maybe how, how the world would define yeah. as female leadership? What does that mean for me? Maybe a more comical example, but like it still speaks this a little bit is my, as I started to grow up, my parents started to like, you know, they tell these stories about you as a little kid. And mm-hmm. they would tell the story about me being out at recess during elementary school and how my teachers would tell them how funny it was that Kate Terry would be out in the middle of the recess field huddling up the boys for a, a game of flag football. Of this is so funny seeing this little girl out there yeah. with a ponytail huddling <laughs> up the boys. I love it. And again, funny, but like I think that it, it just started to show that distinction of yeah. like, oh, people put males and females like in, in buckets of, there's some, some expectations yeah. on like the way we act or the yeah. way we don't act. Yeah. And I think that as I've just continued to grow up and, and experience that, uh, you, you start to wonder then what does that mean for in the church? Yeah. Tyler, what about you? What when when did you first learn about like different gender roles yeah. and those distinctions? So it's funny, I don't have childhood experiences where I 
felt the distinction. So when I first heard about it, it was actually, I don't know where I was. Maybe it was I just heard John Piper or somebody, and I heard about it. And when I first heard about the idea that you could only have elders who were male, I thought it was garbage. I thought this is the most <laughs> backwards thing I've ever heard. I didn't grow up with my both my mom and dad worked. I didn't like I just didn't nothing there was never a conversation about it. It was never a thing that I and I'm naturally the way that I view the world, I like flattening the world. So I don't like hierarchy. Just this is not what's biblical. This is what's Tyler. So I don't like hierarchy. I don't like distinction. I don't like that. So I just, I want to flatten it out, right? And I think for me at Texas State University, we do <laughs> a bobcat Bob noise currently. I don't know <laughs> what we do. But my degree was in history. And one of my favorite eras of history was the civil rights movement. I loved learning about it. So it just, I just read all that I could. And one of the things you learn from civil rights is separate but equal is not equal, right? And so yeah. what, what I have in my kind of background and what I was educated in was when you create distinction, you almost inevitably create oppression. Hmm. And yeah. I struggled with that. So when I hear this about gender roles, my instinct is say, this is garbage mm -hmm. because I didn't have that dynamic with my mom and dad. I, I didn't feel that from them. I think my mom and dad have certain personality types that probably play more naturally into like American gender kind of stereotypes. But that wasn't my—no one ever told me that. So when I first heard it, I just thought this is garbage. But then, you, then I don't have a biblical argument for it. <laughs> and so that was what my wrestling with it was. I just don't like it. But I didn't have a reason. I, I didn't know how to articulate it at the time. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was a journey and process of having to study the Word of God and figure out what does this mean? What does this look like? How does this manifest? And that was my first experience with it. I'd never been taught on it before. I grew, I grew up in, a, in and around a church that was—I'm pretty positive. I don't even know if, what they, where they stand now, but I would say it's functionally egalitarian. It, there wasn't any distinction. But when you grow up in Dallas area— it's going to naturally sort of fall into gender roles, but no one ever told me. I, do, I, I didn't do, go to Christian school yeah, where that do, happened. Do you think, though, part of the reason why you never experienced the distinction at a young age is because you didn't have to? Because you were on that side of like probably. more naturally yeah, power yeah, authority yeah. just in culture? Well, that probably power and culture, and then my personality is that way too. Right. So like my personality is like I just kind of naturally want to do what I want to do, and I don't like peer pressure and all, <laughs> all those right, things, right? right yeah. So I think growing up, I again— when you're the recipient of benefit and privilege, you rarely are aware that you're the recipient, right. <laughs> recipient of it. So yep. again, but so but when I first heard it though, it, it didn't strike me as that makes a lot of sense. It struck me as this feels very backwards to me. Yeah. So now I've come to realize the the benefit, the wisdom, the grace of God in it. But it wasn't my initial reaction. Which I think it's good for people to hear because I think most yeah. people when they hear it, they expect everyone. What I, I don't like about it is when people think, well, certain personality types and experiences gravitate towards that, and certain yeah. personalities and experiences gravitate towards this. I'm like, well, if if truth is objective, mm -hmm. it should be able to cut across my experience. Yeah. And so I say that to say, not because if you if someone grew up and they and they're like, it seemed right to me, doesn't mean that they're we're wrong and I'm right or vice versa. It just means that was our, our experiences were different. But for people who hear this, their initial kind of instinct is to say, I don't know that I believe that. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I get it. I've been yeah. there. I've also been there about the resurrection too. So there's, there's <laughs> a lot of things that I've been there. I've doubted God about, yeah. but so yeah, that, that, that was my initial experience. That's really good. I, I think that when we're thinking about this, you brought up egalitarianism. I know that there's spectrums within spectrums too. Yeah, this is so, a yes. So I want to ask you guys, like just for our listeners, could you just give them a framework or a definition for these different terms that we're going to go into a little bit, like 
like Tyler, you talked about egalitarianism yeah. and not to view on gender roles, but then also complementarianism is as well. Would you guys be willing to just give everyone just kind of short definition? Yeah, sure. So let me let me think about um, how to say this in a, in a way that's helpful. I, I think the easiest way complementarianism is going to be a saying that God designed man and woman in a way that are equal in value and worth and dignity, but with distinct roles that they're going to fulfill that serve one another and that they complement each other, that they're actually meant to work together to fulfill the mission of God. And uh, Tyler, feel free to add more clarity into this, but egalitarianism is that we're saying that they were equal in distinction, value, worth, so same type of thing, but that there's no distinction in role, that there's a sameness there. And I would say that convictionally our church is complementarian because when we look at the scriptures and I believe this, I can't get away from a distinction um, in the roles. There are, are things that are said about church governance and roles within the church, and there are things that are said about roles within marriage where I believe clear distinction is given between male and female. Um, now, again, that doesn't dismiss in any way value and right. worth and coming to the table to work together on something yeah. and complementing each other, but that there's in function, yeah. there's different roles yeah. to, to fill. No, I, think, I mean, that would concede any better than that. I think just mm-hmm. egalitarians and complementarians both believe that God created male and female in the image of God, and both are made with dignity, worth, value, honor, respect. And the dis- the distinction between egalitarian and complementarian, and there's degrees within this, right? So it's not mm-hmm. like it's not a broad brushstrokes. It's just that egalitarians would look at the New Testament and they would see Galatians three, they would see the resurrection accounts, and they would say. There's no distinction in the roles men and women play, both in and particularly it'd be in the church and in the home. And then complementarians would say, we totally agree on all, all those things, but we see distinctions in the text between how, particularly in the church and in the home, how yeah, men marriage. and women. We yeah, say that's marriage. right. That's right. That, and that's what I'm trying to yeah, marriage yeah. particularly. Yeah. And how that relates. It's important to say when we're talking about the distinctions on this. There is a lot more in common with egalitarians and complementarians than there is different from each other. I think it's important to say that because it's really easy to divide up Christians right now and not go, hey, these are people I can partner with. These are people that I love that can disagree with me. It's totally fine, you know. But for us as a church, our job, especially as pastors of the church, our job is to say, well, let's be as faithful to the text as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. And the reason this doctrine is important is because when I read the New Testament, it's so clear and the hard part is is when you start taking clear things in the New Testament on any topic, it's not, it's not just gender. It could be on sexuality. It could be pick the topic. When you take clear text and you and you act like they're unclear, that, that becomes a hard thing to figure out where do you stop. Yeah. Yep. Because truthfully, like for, for people who struggle with Christianity, we'll start with gender and or sexuality or whatever the topic may be. And I want to go, those are not the main things you should be concerned about. Those are important things. But I would say Jesus being the only way to God is way more offensive than anything else in the New Testament. And everybody agrees on that, but that's way more offensive and way more narrow than anything else we're talking about. So I want to be able to say there are Christians who I love, who love the Bible, who love Jesus, and they don't see it the way that we see it. And that's totally okay. Mm -hmm. But also for us as a church to say, but we want to do our due diligence to be faithful to this word of God and faithful to Jesus and what it means for us. And I think that's been the consistent experience of people at our church is we've read the Bible and gone, we all see this. Mm-hmm. Now, what does it mean? How do you express it? Yeah. 
I do think that it's important to say that when we start talking about these distinctions, we have way more in common than we have not in common with egalitarians. And I don't want it to be adversarial in our tone with them. I want it to be able to go to be charitable and say, we believe in the most important things together. Mm-hmm. We do have a different difference of opinion on this, but it wouldn't be something that even at our church, people can be egalitarian and disagree, but we're going to say, well, don't teach contrary to what we think is right and good in the scriptures. And I feel confident that this is what the scriptures are saying. But what's hard about this topic that's different from other topics is it's a very personal experience. Mm-hmm. You start talking about my mom and dad. Yeah. You start talking about, well, what happened to me when I was 14? You, Does my voice matter? There's, there's, like, there's, there's so yeah, many more so things. Much. And so it gets way more complicated to unpack what conversation are we currently having? There's a cultural moment that we're in as there's personal experience and there's biblical text. So I just think it's important for people who are having this conversation to realize, you know, what will help in it, as you study is to know which thing you're trying to answer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So are, are you trying to deal with your cultural moment? valid. Let's deal with that. You're trying to deal with your personal experience. It's a counseling center. There's pastors. Let's talk about that mm-hmm. because I may be saying something that triggers you to go, I've seen that happen in a very oppressive way. Yeah. Yeah. Do you mean that? And then there's yeah. actual biblical text. And so I think that's important when we have that. I was thinking about that earlier. Those are the three ways I think about it when we're having this conversation. And the cultural moment's important because everything that I'm saying about this topic or you're saying or you're saying it is going into a moment that we're in. And there's really good things that are happening in this moment, and I don't want to diminish those things. I also don't want our moment to become what defines our experience and our biblical understanding, Mm -hmm. right? So, Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Kate. I was just going to say, essentially, I feel like what Tyler's saying is, like, don't shy away from doing the work of going Mm -hmm. to the Scriptures yourself. Like, on one hand, Tyler's saying, hey, like, let's be clear that— we can have unity with our brothers and sisters that believe something different than us on this topic. But I also don't want you to, if you're hearing this, to hear that and say, okay, I'm, great, I'm, I'm not really going to decide then. No big deal. <laughs> because this is so personal, and it yeah. is going to impact your relationships. It is going to impact the way you lead in the church. And you you need to know where you stand on this. You need to know what God's Word says about it. And yeah. so let's, let's treat God's Word as what it is. It's the authority. But let's also take into account our experiences and what culture is saying right now, yeah. because this is a personal, complicated topic. Mm-hmm. But do that work. Yeah. It's worth it. Yeah. 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 I either have college students who are on, you know, one side that are like, hey— this cultural moment is all that matters. So if the Bible's not about, you know, affirming where we need to go in this cultural moment, then, you know, it's outdated and it shouldn't be trusted and we shouldn't, you know, believe in it. But then I have students on the other hand that are like, you know, probably don't really read their Bible, but they go to church on Sundays and they just kind of spiritually bypass and fly over these hard topics yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, the being thoughtful about it. They're just like, well, you know, whatever, you know, Kate tells me or whatever mm-hmm. Tyler tells me, like, like I'll just go with. But then that doesn't help them when they go through suffering or yeah. when cultural moment actually impacts them as a person or, you know, whether they're privileged in this way or not in our society, you know, whatever hits them. And so I think that, okay, when you were talking a little bit earlier just about your story, it seems like this idea of gender roles has impacted you, but yet you say you believe that the scriptures lead us to be complementarian. So, so you would affirm what our church yeah. affirms. Have you always felt that? No, I haven't. And I I think 
this may be helpful for me to just invite y'all into the messy road for me. <laughs> like mm-hmm. what, what Tyler was honestly just saying on like, we can't isolate this conversation just to the text or just to culture. Just It's a spaghetti. Like mm-hmm. it's all together yeah. and we have to be willing to address that. The same has been true for me. The reason why I haven't always looked at this doctrine and said, I love that and I believe in that, in fact, have been on the other side of like, I don't know if that's true and landing in a different area is because it is very personal Mm -hmm. to me. And I mentioned this earlier and it's my experience. It impacts what I'm able to do and I'm not able to do and what my what my wiring is. I believe God's made me to lead. So what does it mean to be a leader and operate within a complementarian church um, as a woman? And to be clear, I would say that the Austin Stone wants women to be leaders. So just to make, not go any further and miss an opportunity to say, but I bring that up because I I think that is a misunderstanding is that when we start talking about this word complementarian and that we have different roles, that assumption can start to be made of like, well, that just means women can't lead, right? Or we start to put certain personality types in buckets and define things that that our world is determined. And again, is not what scripture is saying. And so Mm -hmm. for me, the messiness of it and something I've had to wrestle through when I had those questions of, is this really good, God? Like, do you really love me? Do you really value me? I had to ask that question of, well, how, okay, what does God's word say? And then how am I defining um, what I'm seeing in biblical headship and in what God's called me as a woman to step in as a helper fit for him? We see this language in, in Genesis 3 and in Ephesians 5. How am I defining that? Am I defining that based on my experiences or am I defining that by what I see in God's word? And I, when I dig deeper, Like, when I think about my experience of submission, it's got negative connotation to it. It does feel more oppressive. When I think about how our world, like, views it, we're going to think about a maid or a servant or something in that category. But when I look at God's Word, I see the best picture of submission Mm. in the person of Jesus. Yeah. And I see, oh, oh, so so being complementarian, fulfilling this this role in this way is actually a way to be like God? Mm Mm-hmm. Is actually like my older brother Jesus like demonstrated this for me in a sacrificial way of submitting to the Father. He demonstrated that submission was good and right and it within God's plan. Then it starts to redefine it for me, right? Mm-hmm. And it starts to take on a whole different feeling. The other thing, I keep using this word of biblical headship, and, and that's that's language that, that Scripture uses to talk about the male role in marriage as Jesus is the head of the church and the church is the bride, and, and, and that's the role of the female. And I think when we think biblical headship, we think of domineering. We think yeah. from a cultural standpoint, we think domineering, we think controlling, we think manipulative in its most broken forms. I think about my own life, like, I've had a a broken relationship with my dad. And when I think about my earliest memories of understanding how I interact with a male authority figure, it comes with a lot of brokenness. Mm -hmm. It comes with not this picture of what, if biblical headship is meant to be this demonstration of Jesus of sacrificial love for the bride, I didn't see that. I, I didn't see that modeled. I didn't really have healthy relationships with men in my life that showed me that. And so I had to be honest with myself when I came to the scriptures and looked at this that, oh, I'm not defining that by God's word. I'm not mm-hmm. defining that by this honestly really beautiful definition that we see between Christ and the church. I'm defining it by my experience. I'm defining it by the things that I see in the news headlines about assault and about using power and authority in a way that doesn't align with God's heart. And, you know, like, uh, this is worth saying here. I I wasn't planning on on going here, but Tyler, like, you and I, and you and I have talked about this, like, 
my healing in this in many ways, like what God has used has been this church and male leaders at this church demonstrating for me, modeling for me what healthy male leadership looks like. And what, yeah, and what, but to where honestly, like it is a joy to follow Tyler's leadership. And I've seen, Tyler's not perfect. He's gonna be the first to say he's not. But for me as a daughter that has kind of this broken understanding of relationship with males, like part of repairing that has been God's church, Mm. has been the family of God. And the closest relationships I've been with staff members, and yeah. Tyler's one of those that have helped me then look at the scripture and say, oh, this this is when, when a man is pursuing godliness and mm-hmm. is chasing after this role that he's meant to fulfill in marriage, in, in the church uh, authority as an elder, it actually serves me mm-hmm. as a woman. Yeah. It actually frees me up. It actually values me. It increases and empowers my giftings mm-hmm. to be right alongside Tyler as contributing to yeah. his work and coming alongside him in yeah. it. So that's, that's a little bit of the messiness I've navigated, yeah. but why it's been, why at the end I can say I experience a lot of freedom in it. Well, one, one of the pieces you said is so powerful and important is this idea of submission. I think, first off, Christians should be people who submit. Like that, yeah. that's one of the hardest things. Christians submit, not women submit, right? Like we, we submit to Jesus, right? Like Paul calls himself a bond servant to Jesus. So part of the problem with all of us is we don't like submitting to anybody that we don't want to. It's not a woman problem. It's a man problem. I don't yeah. want to submit to anybody either. And I love that's one of the things that doesn't get talked about when we talked about marriage in particular. Well, it, he follows up what it means for husbands and wives to play the distinct roles after he says everyone submit to one another. Yeah. And so Christians are people who submit based on what Jesus tells them to do. And so Jesus is always going to call me to submit to people that I would not. I would rather not. He calls me to submit to governing authorities. He calls me to submit to my brothers and sisters in Christ when they call me out on my sin. Like, it, submission is a Christian expression. And then the Christian expression of submission gets expressed in different ways. Because sometimes when it comes to, and I think it's really important we say this, in the New Testament, the places where there is distinction particularly is in the role of elder and in the role in husband and wife. And I think it's important because I, I think what happens is, and I think it happens a lot in complementarian circles, is that gets extrapolated to other areas of life where eldership and because uh, it's not, it's not, it's not women submit to men. Yeah, it's almost yeah. like any that's, random guy that yeah, walks that's in right. the church. Yeah. Oh my gosh, there are, I've, said this, I've said this a thousand times. There are so many men I want no one to submit to. Male, female, <laughs> baby, doesn't matter. I want no one baby. listening to him. But it's not women submit to men. It is wives submit to husbands. And it's church submit to eldership. It, and so I think it's important to make that distinction because I don't want that to be a lot of people's fears. It gets extrapolated into other yeah. areas. I'm like, well, that's not where the Bible goes. The Bible's trying to build up the church and trying to build, and particularly the role of man and wife in marriage. But I think the idea of submission needs to be a thing that that requires relationship and community, the probably the things that a church is worst at, is actually yeah. valuing other people and submitting preferences. I don't want to submit preferences. I want to do what I want to do mm-hmm. for my own sake. And so when I start talking about marriage or eldership, which, by the way, doesn't come up a lot. Like, I, I think it's important <laughs> for people to understand this is not a thing that people who are actually— because what 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 leadership should mean is actually responsibility and initiation. It shouldn't mean necessarily I'm using my power to power my benefit. Power and authority, yeah. Because what's interesting, even in, in the husband and wife in Ephesians 5, the husband's never told to lead his wife, not once. 
they're all serve your wife, die for your wife, love your wife, wash in the water of the world. Like it's all servant oriented language. Mm. And if you haven't read Ephesians five, yeah, in a while, go read it. I mean, honestly, yeah. like I was looking at the text before yeah. we did, and I was it. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's amazing. Like yeah. there's none of this language that we just start to put on it That's because right. of some of the conversations right. around this. And when there's a s- distinctions in authority, all of us get nervous. Yeah. And rightly so, because human beings use authority poorly. But again, Christians have to go back to, well, Christians are in a world where we're all under an authority, and Jesus is our authority. Yeah. And so, and that's what I, I always say to people is when we're dealing, talking about this issue, we're really talking about, well, what does it mean to trust Jesus and his word? Mm-hmm. And Jesus and his word, he's always going to have wisdom you don't understand in the moment, but you trust him anyway. And then you trust him and you see his wisdom play out. That's what wisdom is. Wisdom is telling you how things are before you experience the consequences of going against the way things are. Mm -hmm. And so the wisdom is saying, no, trust me, this is the best way for this to work. And when I think about different roles in the church, I think about God's desire for orderliness in his church. And the Spirit of God has this way of bringing harmony and beauty and rhythm. And when you have like a dance, people have to play. You can't both, if you're doing like a waltz, you can't both mm-hmm. be doing the same exact thing. You have to play off of each other. And so I think that's that's what I love about what you're saying is when it comes to submission, that should be a word every Christian is familiar with. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't be a word women are familiar with. Should be a word that mm-hmm. I'm familiar with because I have people in my life that I need to submit to when they press me. What I've had to learn is the wisdom that God has in setting up various levels of authority and people and relationships, like you said, and learning to embrace boundaries and learning to embrace limitations. The idea is wait. It's to say, I want to use this to serve other people because that's what people in the kingdom of God do. So this, I want to get into the specific gender roles. I think that's where people get tricked up, but I think it's worth to go Christians submit. Mm. That's so good to remember even for me. Like, no, Christians submit. Yeah. We got to trust his word and say he's given us everything we need. Yeah. That's so good. I'm thinking about how so many people have used things like the Bible to justify things like slavery or how people use the Bible to justify, you know, them being paid billions upon billions to do stuff for the church. It seems like people in a passive use something which we believe is good, the Bible to do terrible things to people. And when I think about this topic, like, and when I think about complementarianism, my biggest hang up with it was like, I feel like it was a Trojan horse Mm. that people could use, that male pastors could use to basically oppress women. And so that was one of my biggest hangups with it. I've seen, I guess, church abuse and things like that happen in many different churches, egalitarian or complementarian. But it seems like this subject, this idea of complementarianism, it would just be easy for people to abuse the word in that way. For me, as one of those people who, you know, has a lot of empathy towards that person who might be abused by someone wielding the Bible— Man, like, my question is, what do we do with that? How do we protect, like, ourselves and protect mm-hmm. our church and protect, you know, random guy who walks in from the street and be like, hey, the Bible says submit, so you go ahead and do it. Like, like, what do we do to actually carry this out in a practical, functional way in the life of our church? Yeah, that's good, man. I, the first thing that even just comes to mind, I want to get into the specifics, but I just want to say first, like— stand confidently that the Bible values women. <laughs> like, yeah. look at the way that Jesus yeah. interacts yeah. with women, yeah. and it is countercultural to any other—anything of that time mm-hmm. and of what was—the Bible 
stands above the rest in saying and setting women apart and saying that they're valued and Jesus moves towards them. And we see all throughout the New Testament, we see Paul referencing in Philippians 4, talking about women coming alongside him as yeah. co-laborers in the work of the church. And so I just want to be clear that when it comes to what the Bible says in, in answering this question of like, well, what do we do when it's wielded for, we're not good, then know what the Bible says, like mm. go to it and, and see that the Bible represents over and over again, uh, affirms the value of women. Yeah. And we see that in the person of Jesus. Uh, the other thing, just practically, I'd say, like, as that is a starting point, practically, if you're a woman feeling this, experiencing this, you should ask questions. Don't feel like you just accept what is being presented of, I, they're in a position of power, and I, yeah. I guess that this is how it is. Like, I mean, this is true for anyone, man and woman. Yeah. Ask questions when something feels off and it feels like any any type of misuse of power, we should ask questions. We should go to community and invite others in. I'm like, am I seeing this right? Like help me understand. Like this is this is what happened. I would want you to go to the person that's in the position of authority to your pastor and mm -hmm. ask, say, hey, this, this made me feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I I felt like my voice wasn't heard here. What is what do you believe about mm -hmm. this? Ask questions. Like, that's a great place to start, mm -hmm. even just to make sure you're not making assumptions. Because mm -hmm. I think we can all interpret things in a yeah. moment. Yeah. And, man, it's it's not the intention of their heart. It's maybe each of us. And that's not to let them off the hook, to be clear. But I'll be the first to say I've said things or, or acted in ways in a moment that actually don't reflect my conviction. Mm -hmm. And then someone asked me a question about it, and I'm like— man, that was a blind spot. Yeah, I, you're right. I shouldn't have acted that way. Yeah. And that doesn't fall in line with what I believe. Thanks for helping me understand that. Mm -hmm. So just real practically, like, don't be afraid to ask questions. In fact, we need you to ask questions. Yep. We're not actually going to make progress in this unless both, both men and women listening, mm -hmm. when you see something that's off, say yeah. it yeah. and bring it up and talk yeah. about it. Just say like, that felt weird. Yeah. Can we talk about those brothers and sisters? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's what we see in scripture is this ad addressing the family of God, which means that Mitchell and Tyler are my brothers, yeah. which means I, I want them to ask me questions so that I can learn. And same, and vice, vice versa. versa. Both men and women need to help us grow in this way by bringing attention to it when, mm -hmm. it, when it feels off, which is why like healthy self-awareness is yeah. such a big part of what we're talking yeah. about. Like our stories impact us every day yeah. and we've got to be willing to, it, which is why at the beginning, Tyler, you said community is such a big part of this. Yeah. <laughs> if we don't have community and relationships to like help us see ourselves rightly and process that out with, then there's going to be all kinds of ways that we're starting to interpret and who God is that are, that's outside of the scriptures. Yeah. Kate. Yeah, Mitchell. Humor me. All right? <laughs> oh, I can't this is the this. green room. Okay. This is the this green is room. This is the green room. We're there. The question I'm about to ask. You've taught a lot. Like I said, you're a great teacher. Yep. Have you ever saw a guy preach or a pastor <laughs> preach? Or you've I been know like, this question. <laughs> or you've been like, I could have killed that. And this guy, like I'm better than this guy or I'm more, more gifted than this guy. As a teacher, have you have has that ever happened to you? I can't lie. Yeah. I mean, Tyler's <laughs> Come looking on. at me like this is green room. Oh man! Every I mean, Sunday, it, <laughs> when this guy named Tyler, Tyler gets up there, I don't she's know. like, "Oh yeah. Lord!" Um, no, man, I is that a piece that that comes to mind for sure mm -hmm. with with this reality as it relates to preaching on Sundays and and mm -hmm. sermons and, and feeling like. I've been gifted as a teacher and have that have had that affirmed in me. Like, 
does that narrative come as I see teaching and see men teach and think naturally because it's something I do too, like start to critique, start yep. to have an opinion on it? Of course. Of course mm-hmm. it's going to happen. And yeah, and in those like flesh moments, I'm like, put me up there. Can I get in this? Like, mm-hmm. let's let's do this. And, and again, it's not that – I want to be clear how I said that though. The ambition for that, the desire to teach God's word yeah. is not wrong. Yeah. So I want to make sure that that's clear that the hunger to do that, to help God's people understand through teaching his word is good and right. And we need men and women doing that. But again, like that question is coming back to you in that moment of that narrative of like, I should be up there. Is that terminating on, okay, but like God's word says this about elders and about that's, we view there to be a certain responsibility to the office of elder to protect doctrine in a way that helps shepherd God's church. And that then, when I talk myself through that, I feel, okay, like I'm either going to submit to and trust God with an area that I feel maybe more qualified in or that I could do it, or I'm going to choose to go a different direction and believe mm. something differently and different entirely. Mm. And every day in my life, this in this category and a million others, I'm making that decision. Am I yeah. trusting God? Yeah. And so you asked me, I'm like, yeah, that and a million other things in that day. Mm-hmm. Am yeah. I, am I, I'm either like yeah. feeding the flesh on that of like, yeah, that's right. You should be up there. Actually, yeah. you are better than them. Like, yeah. is that my narrative that's happening in that mm. moment? I think any of us would say there's some things in my heart sure. I need to address yeah. regardless of the complementarian piece. But that in any other category, am I am I choosing to, to lean into what God's word says? And do I believe it's good for me, even if it limits me? And I, I believe that I am trying to do that. And that that gives me a lot of peace in those moments. Mm. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I was, I was like, hey, this is just a question that came to my mind. Um, <laughs> and just stir the pot. Yeah, that's right. Why not? Pot. Why not? Yeah. I, I think of our college ministry, you know, we have about 60 to 70 percent girl leaders and then the rest are guys. And our girl leaders are just incredible, like rock stars. And I mean, I love our guys. Our guys are great, godly, you know, they're maturing, you know, they're, they're, uh, but it's crazy because you even look at the church as a whole and churches, usually the makeup is usually majority women in the congregation or as members. And so I would say it's the same for our church, but then you have the pastors and leadership, or I guess pastors slash elders mm-hmm. who are all male, but then you have this entire congregation of women. When, when I first came to work at a church like the Austin Stone and church that, that I worked at before, we, we believed in the same things. And mm-hmm. it was the first time I actually saw women on staff at a church and yeah. women like actually leading things, not just like leading committees or being like, hey, you're like leading a potluck or right. hey, you're leading right. decorations for Christmas and stuff like that. No, I actually saw women being put in positions to actually lead. Now, what's what's the issue with, I guess, the guys not showing up, being the ones who are volunteering and leading, even though we have all-male leadership. And I guess, Tyler, this this might be more of a question for you. And we actually talk about this quite a bit, and you yeah. sent me an article about some things yeah. about just, man, what's going on with young dudes. But, um, yeah, when, when we think about, like, guys, like, volunteering for leadership or guys volunteering for teardown, mm-hmm. like, we see women doing it in droves. Like, what's what's going on with that? Yeah. Or what do, what do you think? Man, I have issue? asked this question a lot. So I, I will say, so I've been on staff now and pastoring now for like 12 years. I don't know why. So I'll say this. I don't know why that in my experience, 
when we do like a broad call for anything, there always is more women than men. 60, I think 60, 40 is my, is if I have an actual numbers, like that's kind of the split typically. But I do think there's mantles that particularly in marriage that men are called to aspire to. And there is a mantle of eldership that particular men, not every man, but certain men can aspire to based off their qualifications and godliness and whatnot. I do think right now we're in a moment where I don't know that many, we talked about this before, many young men have guidance for what it means for them to be men because we're in some ways scrambling to figure out what about the ways it's been talked about historically in our context was toxic and what was good. And it's really hard to separate that. And so what's happening is more young men are just going, I don't know, so I'm just going to pull back entirely. And and I think I have such a passion for them to, to know how much help there is for them and how much love there is for them and how much belief there is for them. And that when it comes to what it means to be a man, it's about sacrifice. It's about service. It's about taking ownership. It's about initiation. It's about vulnerability. It's about what it means to be human, right? It's not different from men and women in that way. But there are things that men have been particularly, if they're, if they're called to be married, there's things that they're called to go do for the sake of other people. Mm-hmm. And I do think one of the things we haven't done a good job, we talked about this on, on the podcast with Jamie, is how to be friends with women and how to interact with women in a way that's like familial, like Kate said, and not just objectifying each other or looking to each other as idols to, to, to save us. I don't know why the breakdown happens that way. I, I do think I've heard theories, and all of them are sociological theories. They're not biblical things I can go back to. You know, I, I can't go. I don't know why that's the case. It is interesting. The first eyewitnesses of the resurrection are women. Mm-hmm. That gives validity to the resurrection because at that point in time, women weren't even like their, their testimony wasn't even admitted in court. And so it gives it gives validity to the resurrection because they wouldn't have made that up. That, that doesn't support the case of the resurrection that women were the first eyewitnesses because it should have been the apostles, but yeah. they weren't. They got told by Mary. So I don't know all the whys behind it, but I do know there's been a distinction. And I think in some ways it's easy to call one gender and in the process, the other one feel demeaned. Yeah. And I think that's what we're trying to figure out is what does it mean to call both up together and not have to have one or the other get pushed down in the process? And that's part of what, that's the whole, the whole nature of complementarity is the idea of we actually need one another mm-hmm. to fully know what it means to be human. I need women in my life as friends to have an understanding of what it means to be human because Adam wasn't good for him to be alone. And that's was, it's partly about marriage, but part of it's just about the nature of gender, right? So I think I've, but that takes time to learn because you're taught the world's not going to teach you the biblical nature of what men and women are like and their equality and their love for each other and distinction it's going to have to objectify the other in some form or fashion, whether it's oppressor or oppressive, like whatever, however you're trained to view it, you're always going to view it in a way that's not biblical. So all of us are having to unlearn that. So yeah, I think that's that's been a, but for right now, I just feel a, I feel a particular burden for young men because I don't know that they have a lot of vision for them. And I think it's, and I don't want that to diminish the vision we have for women. I, I just want to have them be the same and go, what does it mean for men to step up and take ownership and be sacrificial? Yeah. But also, what does it mean for them to do that in a way where women want to come alongside of them too? I don't know that we've seen it all that much, to be really honest. Yeah. And I feel this pressure to shy away from talking to young men right now because it almost feels like I'm doing exactly what every woman's fearful of, 
right? Like I feel that pressure. I'm just being really honest. I feel that yeah. weight of going, am I even allowed to talk to young dudes? Or is that like, is that not, is that not, is that not okay? And I just see again, the scriptures do that. They talk to young women and young men and say, hey, aspire to these things, yeah. you know, yeah. because when you're young and you don't have, you don't know where you're going, you need, you're made to have a future laid out for you. And that's what the Bible does. Like, hey, aspire to these things. And so, yeah, I, I have such a, a love for, because I've been there. I've been a young man, not knowing what I'm supposed to do. And I don't want that for guys. There's so much more joy in life and service. Yeah. Yeah. And man, Tyler, for what it's worth, like that tension, and I appreciate that honesty of just, can I call up dudes in this way? Like, yeah. or is that going to be interpreted wrong? Like, I know I can't speak for, for all women. I wouldn't even try. That's for sure. <laughs> but for what it's worth, just as as a female leader and as your friend, like, I'm like, yes, please speak to them. Like, yeah. please call yeah. Like, that actually— And not just yell at them and tell them it, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. now, no, like, yeah. it's more of give them direction and vision, like you yeah. said. Like, call them to that more in the same way that, like, I would hope as a female leader, like, yeah. I'm giving some direction and some clarity of, hey, this is how you can live out what it means to be a follower of Christ and be a woman. Like, I, I think— there is a responsibility of passing that on to the next generation. And it's going to have to be some of that's going to have to be directive. Mm -hmm. And when we see lacking, like go for it. And I think it's then it's on the woman to maturity or lack of maturity to interpret you doing that, like in a way that's self-centered and just, Oh, he only cares about men. Like, no, like this is the family of God being the family of God. So I'm for it, man. Go for it. Next sermon series, (laughs) manhood. (laughs) Biblical manhood. It doesn't doesn't have to diminish our value. It's the the same time, like the Trinity. We see this, the three parts of the Trinity working together, but at different times, like Mm -hmm. submitting to one another. Mm -hmm. Like, so in the same way, you speaking specifically to men or specifically to women in this moment doesn't have to mean a devaluing. I think Mm -hmm. that's what anytime someone else is given platform, well, it has to mean less of me. It's like, no, that, that, that's, yeah. a, that's a framework the world has given us. I actually believe God's word yeah. and who he is gives us a much better framework yeah. for equal value that's in those good. moments. Mm-hmm. Okay, what do you think men need to do in a church to set a healthy example of complementarianism? Like, how do we actually walk out our beliefs to our elders and submitting to the Lord, but also loving our sisters? Like, how can we do that practically and do it well as godly men. Yeah, I love that. I I, I know I, I said earlier, like asking questions and spent a lot, a lot of time talking about that, but it's hard to not start there because as Tyler mentioned earlier, there's so much that we don't know. Each of us don't know. Like y'all's experience uniquely as, as men, there's pieces of that that I'm not going to fully understand and know how to empathize with or understand why you do something or don't do something unless I get to know you. And so the first spot for men in the church and thinking about, well, how can I model this? How can I live this out well? How can I care for my sister would be to get to know her, like actually like ask questions and value her story. And as Tyler said, and put her in a different category from what the world would say of, well, you can't have male and female friendships. I believe y'all talked about this in more detail Mm -hmm. with Jamie, but believe in a better narrative of, no, I can know her as a sister. Mm -hmm. And so there's things to to get to know about her that then can help us work together and and value her in a unique way. And I, I think you have to consider what are the voices you're listening to. That's part of, like, if you something start today, like, some of you might be like, I don't really have any female friends. Like, I want to be weird. Like, yeah. I don't mm-hmm. want you to be weird either. Like, <laughs> don't just start ran- walking up to yeah. random girls and trying yeah. to be friends with them. Like, yeah. don't do that. So, but for real, like, if you find yourself there, but you're like, I do want to learn about this. I do want to know what to do. 
okay, well, think about it right now. Like, what are the voices you listen to most? What are your top five podcasts or mm -hmm. authors that you go to, resources that impact the way that you're shaped and equipped? Who are your mentors? Like, are, are there any women mm -hmm. on that list? And consider how can I pursue um, voices and leaders that are women that mm -hmm. can start to give you a different perspective and in listening, like, man, listening and being a learner changes so much. Yeah. And I've been really humbled in my leadership and in my walk with Jesus that in the moments I do that, God uses that to transform me and make me a better leader. But I didn't really want to start there. Mm -hmm. I wanted to start with like, I know it all. I don't need to listen or learn. Right. But man, when I put myself in that spot to like proactively seek out learning about something that's different than me, it changes everything. The result is that I'm better for it. Yeah. I realized in college, a lot of the rebukes that stood with me the most were from my friends who are girls. People like Persian on staff now, but people like her and then like women who worked in our church. I remember, I think I talked about this on the episode with Shanda, but the woman that asked me, you know, hey, like, do you know what trauma is after, you know, me like <laughs> yeah, telling yeah. telling her yeah. a little bit about my story and to actually help show me like biblically, like why, like counseling and, and untangling my story and, and getting healing in that way mm -hmm. is helpful for me. So many women, including my mom and grandmother, they've been so impactful to me, and I've learned so much from women. But at the same time, I I can also see how until, I guess, I became a college director, much of what I was intaking was just from men, books, podcasts, and teachings. And, and where that kind of changed was just seeing people like Jackie Hill Perry, people mm -hmm. like Jen Wilkin, and, and recognizing men like, you know, the women around me have been so formative in my life and have given me the best advice and best rebukes. I remember one time we were on this trip and I was leading this trip. I was wondering why like my team was so slow. And if anyone knows me, they'll, they know that they know two things about me. I love Jesus. And then also that I walk really fast. I would walk really fast when uh, our team was in D.C. and I was leading this team. And I think I was frustrated about something. And I was like, oh, my team's just slow. They're always slow. So I'm walking ahead. And me and one of the girls that's on the team, we're walking ahead. And I'm like, why is everybody so slow? And she was like, Mitchell, you're walking really fast. Like you're leaving everyone behind. And she just looked at me. And I was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> and it just, it just made everything make so much more sense. And, and after that, like, we just had a long conversation on how, like, I'm very prone to just leave people behind in the dust. Yeah. And I needed that rebuke. I needed the Holy Spirit she, in she that She used sister. your walking as a metaphor for what you do the rest of your life? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Dang, bro. Yeah. I'm psychic. I, 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 have I, no I thought I was like, well, you, did you feel like it helped you that you should walk slower? And you're like, oh, no, it's a metaphor for the rest of my life. Uh, like, oh, yeah. Okay. No, At first yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it wasn't that good. Leaving everyone behind. <laughs> walking. Yeah, it was, it, was so, it was so good for me. I, I think we 100% need 100% of the body of Christ yeah. to look out for each other. And so if you're a woman listening to this, your brothers, 
in your in your community really need you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe where you haven't felt the ability to speak up about this or encourage or even rebuke, man, you have the Holy Spirit in you. Please do That's it. Right. That's just going to make yep. our body stronger. Um, and guys, the same way. Don't be weird. Like, just, man, like, encourage your sisters as a part of the body. Man, if there's rebuke that's needed, like, don't be weird about it. That's yeah. your sister. Yeah. You're looking out for her. You, you love her. And I know that even sounds weird. Even in our culture, it's like, oh, it's weird to have a love for both guys and girls in a community. But that's what yeah. the church is. Yeah. And that's its most beautiful expression. That's where everyone flourishes just like you were saying. Well, and, and that's where I think that the church gets leader obsessed, where it thinks the church is primarily leaders acting and operating. Mm. And I'm like, no, the, the church is the church operating. And so when, when Colossians 3 says, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts, there's no caveat for <laughs> women tell women and men tell men, Yeah. right? It's just this is what the church does. And so the church gets obsessed with leadership to a negative degree where it's only leaders make impact. I'm like, yeah. fundamentally disagree. Yeah. I think the people who make impact people who you invest in. And I think leaders are important in the church, but they're not the church. Yeah. The people are the church. Yeah. And so the best way I, I, I agree, like whether we're talking about race, we're talking about gender, sexuality, listening to different voices is great. Even better, having friends who are different That's right. than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even better because that those people, like I have grown in this, honestly, not because I've listened to a ton of speakers on the topic, honestly. It's been, I have got, I've been more intentional about, hey, when, when I hang out with Scott and Lydia, I want to be intentional about talking to Lydia and seeing how she's doing. Yeah. And treating her like my sister. And that has helped me go, oh, I see there's subtle ways where I kind of just gravitate towards, I'll just care about Scott and that's it. And go, oh, that's not actually loving to Lydia and to them as a family, right? And I'm not being a brother to her. I'm commanded to be a brother to her, right? So I think it's really important in these inward thinking about this. This is where we can export the work of the church to either leaders or to podcast. And you need the church to be this. Come and on. so that that that's what I want people to do is is because why is there weirdness? Well, yeah, because you may like that person. That's a whole we had a dating podcast. <laughs> yeah. Listen to that. Right? Like, yeah. like that yeah. that's why it gets weird. And there's and there's good and right boundaries and things to process through in ways that are healthy. There there are times where it makes more sense for women to talk to women and men to mm-hmm. talk to men. So I, I yeah, don't I, I, yeah. I don't want us to again, this is uh, this is where our brothers and sisters who are egalitarian would go. There's like there's no boundary. I'm like, I actually disagree. I think there are spots where mm-hmm. in time where it says women should teach women on these mm-hmm. things and men should teach men. On there, there are times where your gender is important because you're going to be that gender forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is where our, I mean, again, we do not get, this isn't about that, but when you even get into transgender and this whole topic and people who feel gender dysphoria, I can't even imagine how difficult that is because gender is a part of what it means to be human. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I don't want to make this about that, but I think that's a topic that comes up. Yeah. Yeah. And I think instead of, worrying about all the different complexities of it. It's just hurting with someone who's hurting and us still saying, God made us male and female. We think it's good and right that he did, right? Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean brokenness in the world is brokenness in the world. It makes it difficult. I want us to know your gender is so important because God made you to be that. And what it means to be that will take time and wisdom and soaking in the Bible to tell me what it means. But that's what it means for every part of me. I need God to tell me who I am and my gender's a part of that. And so just start living it out and figure, and and that's where, again, like you said, it takes wisdom and time. But, and I just want to help people know that because I I think people obsess over leadership to a point. I'm like, you're, I'm telling you, the role of elder is not nearly as powerful or, or as pervasive as you're talking about. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just telling you as one. Sometimes people talk about it. And I'm like, how much authority do you think I have? I don't have that. Honestly, I have very, very little. It's like a very narrow window of authority. And it's not even me as an individual. It's a, it's a plurality of people who are else. So it, but what happens is we become so obsessed with it that we forget to go. Like it's sometimes it's like even the this is not apples to apples, and this may not be worth using, but <laughs> it's like obsessing about the presidency sometimes. And you're like, some that yeah. may or may not affect your local government as much as you think that it will. Yeah. That's good. You know, and sometimes it's going, it was really important in the church, totally. But I, I always tell people that I'm like, there's there is the number of commands about elders is like two or three. It, it's 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 in there, but it's not like Every everything Paul talks about is and leadership again. Yeah. It's about character. It's about yeah. love. It's about the church learning how to be the church and elders and leadership is a part of that. But it's not all of it. Yeah, it feels like some of some of what you're saying, Tyler, is hey, we're actually not as much concerned about you coming down to defining how do you feel about this leadership of the office of elder in this. And mm-hmm. you better check this box on like getting in line with mm-hmm. us on how we feel about complementarianism. Actually, what's going to change like communities and cities is if in your home, you're like learning to be brother and sister right. and you're living out being the family of God. Kate, I got one last question for you. How would you encourage those who are really struggling? Like they see that this is what the Bible says, but everything in them does not want to affirm it or obey it. They want to love Jesus, but they see this and they're like, man, like this is just really a hard pill to swallow. Maybe it's because of experience or culture. Yeah, just as our last question, how would you encourage that person that's listening to this right now? I think it's good to wrestle it out. Like for that person, I want to like validate what they're feeling because I think there's when you first start to approach this topic because it's so personal, it means something about how I live my life and how I view myself. So I just want to validate what they're whatever tension they're feeling and and encourage them that that might not all go away. In fact, I don't think it ever will. So maybe that's the first encouragement is just ask yourself the question, like, what's the goal here? And if the goal is to resolve the tension entirely, I don't think we're going to experience that this side of heaven. I think there's going to be a lot of things that you wrestle with that actually what is good and, 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 and what's mature and what the Holy Spirit's doing in you is wanting to draw you back to God's Word time and time again and draw you back to surrender. We've talked a lot about submission yeah. of just the end of the day. When, we, when we're talking about following Jesus, it means that we surrender to him. We submit yeah. to God over our own authority. And so I would want to encourage them with, is that how you're thinking about this wrestling? Is it to come to a conclusion and resolve something to have the, the clarity? Or are you seeing this as a good work to actually grow you up to look more like Christ and that there's more of him to understand the, the further that you sit with him and ask for his help. That's the next piece is where are, you, where are you asking for help? Are you looking to God's word? Are you looking to church leaders? Or are you looking to culture in your own experience? And I think you've got to do an assessment of that um, and be willing to be honest about it. And I think we've said this time and time again over this past hour, but I just want to make sure it's clear, like, that's why we're here. Mm-hmm. Like, that is why we are called to be staff members of this church, yeah. is that we want to be a part of that help. Again, that we're not saying we have, like, a secret pill of any kind, mm-hmm. but we have we take this very seriously yeah. to come alongside you in your questions and help you wrestle. Like, I don't want you to feel like yep. you have to wrestle on your own. That is why I'm here. I, I know many other women leaders on our staff that would love 
love to have this conversation and men that would love to have this conversation. And so please come to us, like go to God's word, wrestle out there. But like when you, when you can't do it and you got questions, like come to us and we'll help you do that. We're in Mm. it with you. So that would be my encouragement to them. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for hopping on with us today for this episode of the green room. This is great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Okay. Thanks so much. Thank you for being our guest in the green room. Remember, if you want more vulnerable conversations, then share, like, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram at college underscore Austin Stone. See you next time.